Welcome to the Stillwaters Revival Books reading of Martin Luther's Bondage of the Will. This is the eighth reading in this series. Stillwaters Revival Books makes thousands of classic, Puritan, and Reformed books and sermons available, free and at great discounts in print, audio, and video formats at puritandownloads.com If you would like to join our email list to stay up to date about all the new, free, and discounted Puritan and Reformed resources we make available, please send an email to swrb at swrb.com with the word ADD in the subject line. For more information about the Puritan Publishing Ministry of SWRB, please email us at swrb at swrb.com. And now to our reading of Martin Luther's Bondage of the Will. Section 61 but our friend Diatribe, proceeding to still greater length of inconsiderateness, not only infers from that passage of Malachi 3.7, Turn ye unto me, an indicative sense, but also goes on with zeal to prove therefrom the endeavor of free will and the grace prepared for the person endeavoring. Here at last it makes mention of the endeavor, and by a new kind of grammar, to turn, signifies with it the same thing as to endeavor, so that the sense is, turn ye unto me, that is, endeavor ye to turn, and I will turn unto you, that is, I will endeavor to turn unto you so that, at last, it attributes an endeavor even unto God, and perhaps would have grace to be prepared for him upon his endeavoring. For if turning signify endeavoring in one place, why not in every place? Again, it says that from Jeremiah 1519 If thou shalt separate the precious from the vile not only endeavor only but the liberty of choosing is proved which before it declared was lost and changed into a necessity of serving sin you see therefore that in handling the scriptures the diatribe has a free will with a witness so that with it words of the same kind are compelled to prove endeavor in one place and liberty in another just as the turn suits but to away with vanities the word turn is used in the scriptures in a twofold sense the one legal the other evangelical. In the legal sense, it is the voice of the exactor and commander which requires not an endeavor, 
but a change in the whole life. In this sense, Jeremiah frequently uses it, saying, Turn ye now, every one of you, from his evil way, and turn ye unto the Lord, in which he involves the requirement of all the commandments, as is sufficiently evident. In the evangelical sense, it is the voice of the divine consolation and promise by which nothing is demanded of us but in which the grace of God is offered unto us. Of this kind is that of Psalm 126, 1. When the Lord shall turn again the captivity of Zion, and that of Psalm 116.7, Turn again into thy rest, O my soul. Hence Malachi, in a very brief compendium, has set forth the preaching both of the law and of grace. It is the whole sum of the law where he saith, Turn ye unto me. And it is grace where he saith, I will turn unto you. Wherefore, as much as free will is proved from this word, Love the Lord, or from any other word of particular law, just so much is it proved from this word of summary law, Turn ye. It becomes a wise reader of the scriptures, therefore, to observe what are words of the law and what are words of grace, that he might not be involved in confusion like the unclean sophists and like this sleepily yawning diatribe. Section 62 Now, observe in what way the diatribe handles that single passage in Ezekiel 18.23 As I live, saith the Lord, I desire not the death of a sinner, but rather that he should turn from his wickedness and live. In the first place, if it says, The expressions shall turn away, hath done, hath committed be so often repeated in this chapter where are they who deny that man can do anything only remark I pray the excellent conclusion it set out to prove the endeavor and the desire of free will and now it proves the whole work that all things are fulfilled by free will where now, I pray, are those who need grace and the Holy Spirit? For it pertly argues thus, saying, Ezekiel says, If the wicked man shall turn away and shall do righteousness and judgment, he shall live. Therefore, the wicked man does that immediately and can do it whereas Ezekiel is signifying what ought to be done. But the diatribe understands it as being done and having been done, thus teaching us 
by a new kind of grammar that ought to be is the same as having been being exacted the same as being performed and being required the same as being rendered and then that voice of the all sweet gospel I desire not the death of a sinner and it perverts thus would the righteous Lord deplore that death of his people which he himself wrought in them if therefore he wills not our death it certainly is to be laid to the charge of our own will if we perish for what can you lay to the charge of him who can do nothing either of good or evil it was upon this same string that Pelagius harped long ago when he attributed to free will not a desire nor an endeavor only but the power of doing and fulfilling all things for as I have said before these conclusions prove that power if they prove anything so that they make with equal nay with more force against the diatribe which denies that power of free will and which exempts rather attempts to establish the endeavor only than they do against us who deny free will altogether but to say nothing of the ignorance of the diatribe let us speak to the subject it is the gospel voice and the sweetest consolation to miserable sinners where Ezekiel saith I desire not the death of a sinner but rather that he should be converted and live and it is in all respects like unto the psalm 35 for his wrath is but for a moment and his willingness is life and that of Psalm 36 7 how sweet is thy loving kindness O God also for I am merciful and that of Christ Matthew 11:28. come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest and also that of Exodus 26 I will show mercy unto thousands of them that love me and what is more than half of the Holy Scripture but mere promises of grace by which mercy life peace and salvation are extended from God unto men and what else is the whole word promise but this I desire not the death of a sinner is not his saying I am merciful the same as saying I am not angry I am unwilling to punish I desire not death my will is to pardon my will is to spare and if there were not these divine promises standing by which consciences afflicted with a sense of sin and terrified at the fear of death and judgment might be raised up 
What place would there be for pardon or for hope? What sinner would not sink in despair? But as free will is not proved from any of the other words of mercy, of promise, and of comfort, so neither is it from this. I desire not the death of a sinner. But our friend Diatribe, again making no distinction between the words of the law and the words of the promise, makes this passage of Ezekiel the voice of the law and expounds it thus. I desire not the death of a sinner, that is, I desire not that he should sin unto death or should become a sinner guilty of death, but rather that he should be converted from sin if he have committed any and thus live. For if it is if it do not expound the passage thus, it will make nothing to its purpose. But this is utterly to destroy and take away that most sweet place of Ezekiel. I desire not the death. If we in our blindness will read and understand the scriptures thus, what wonder if they be obscure and ambiguous? Whereas God does not say, I desire not the sin of man, but I desire not the death of a sinner, which manifestly shows that he is speaking of the punishment of sin, of which the sinner has a sense on account of his sin, that is, of the fear of death, and that he is raising up and comforting the sinner lying under this affliction and desperation, that he might not break the bruised reed nor quench the smoking flax, but raise him to the hope of pardon and salvation in order that he might be further converted, that is, by the conversion unto salvation from the fear of death, and that he might live, that is, might be in peace and rejoice in a good conscience. And this is also to be observed, that as the voice of the law is not pronounced but upon those who neither feel nor know their sins, as Paul saith, by the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans 3.20 So the word of grace does not come but unto those who, feeling their sins, are distressed and exercised with desperation. Therefore, in all the words of the law, you will find sin to be implied, while it shows what we ought to do. As on the contrary, in all the words of the promise, you will find the evil to be implied under which the sinners or those who are raised up labor as here I desire not the death of a sinner clearly points out the death and the sinner both the evil itself which is felt and the sinner himself who feels it but by this love God with all thine heart is shown what good we ought to do 
not what evil we feel in order that we might know how far we are from doing good. Section 73 Nothing, therefore, could be more absurdly adduced in support of free will than this passage of Ezekiel. Nay, it makes with all possible force directly against free will. For it is here shown in what state free will is and what it can do under the knowledge of sin. And in turning itself from it, that is, that it can only go on to worse and add to its sins desperation and impenitency, unless God soon come in to help and to call back and raise up by the word of promise. For the concern of God is promising grace to recall and raise up the sinner is itself an argument sufficiently great and exclusive that free will of itself cannot but go on to worse and, as the scripture saith, fall down to hell unless indeed you imagine that God is such a trifler that he pours forth so great an abundance of the words of promise not from any necessity of them unto our salvation, but from a mere delight in loquacity. Wherefore, you see that not only all the words of law stand against free will, but also that all the words of the promise utterly confute it. That is, that the whole scripture makes directly against it. Hence you see this word, I desire not the death of a sinner, does nothing else but preach and offer divine mercy to the world, which none re receive with joy and gratitude but those who are distressed and exercised with the fears of death, for they are they in whom the law has now done its office that is, in bringing them to the knowledge of sin. But they who have not yet experienced the office of the law, who do not yet know their sin nor feel the fears of death, despise the mercy promised in that word. Section 44 But why it is that some are touched by the law and some are not touched, why some feel the offered grace and some despise it? That is another question which is not here treated on by Ezekiel because he is speaking of the preached and offered mercy of God, not the secret and to be feared will of God, who, according to his own counsel, ordains whom and as such he will to be receivers and partakers of the preached and offered mercy which will is not to be curiously inquired into but to be adored with reverence as the most profound secret of the divine majesty which he reserves unto himself and keeps hidden from us and that much more religiously 
than that than the mention of ten thousand Corician caverns. But since the diatribe thus partly argues with the righteous Lord deplore the death of his people, which he himself works in them, this would seem quite absurd. I answer, as I said before, we are to argue in one way concerning the will of God preached, revealed, and offered unto us, and worshipped by us, and in another concerning God himself not preached, not revealed, not offered unto us, and worshipped by us. In whatever, therefore, God hides himself and will be unknown by us, that is, nothing unto us. And here that sentiment stands good. What is above us does not concern us. And that no one might think that this distinction is my own, I follow Paul, who, writing to the Thessalonians concerning Antichrist, saith, Second Thessalonians 2, 4, that he should exalt himself above all that is God, as preached and worshipped, evidently intimating that anyone might be exalted above God as he is preached and worshipped, that is, above the word and worship of God, by which he is known unto us and has intercourse with us, but above God not worshipped and preached, that is, as he is in our own nature and majesty. Nothing can be exalted but all things are under his powerful hand. God, therefore, is to be left to remain in his own nature and majesty, for in this respect we have nothing to do with him, nor does he wish us to have in this respect anything to do with him. But we have to do with him as far as he is clothed in and delivered to us by his word. For in that he presents himself unto us, and that is his beauty and his glory, in which the psalmist celebrates him as being clothed. Wherefore we say that the righteous God does not deplore that death of his people which he himself works in them, but he deplores that death which he finds in his people, and which he desires to remove from them. For God preached desires this, that our sin and death being taken away, we might be saved. He sent his word and healed them. Psalm 107 verse 20 but God hidden in majesty neither deplores nor takes away death, but works life and death and all things. Nor has he in this character defined himself in his word, but has reserved unto himself a free power over all things. 
but the diatribe is deceived by its own ignorance in not making a distinction between God preached and God hidden that is between the word of God and God himself God does many things which he does not make known unto us in his word he also wills many things which he does not in his word make known unto us that he wills thus he does not will the death of a sinner that is in his word but he wills it by that will inscrutable but in the present case we are to consider his word only and to leave that will inscrutable seeing that it is by his word and not by that will inscrutable that we are to be guided for who can direct himself according to a will inscrutable and incomprehensible it is enough to know only that there is in God a certain will inscrutable but what why and how far that will wills it is not lawful to inquire to wish to know to be concerned about or to reach unto it is only to be feared and adored therefore it is rightly said if God does not desire our death it is to be laid to the charge of our own will if we perish this I say is right if you speak of God preached for he desires that all men should be saved seeing that he comes unto all by the word of salvation and it is the fault of the will which does not receive him as he saith in Matthew 23:37, how often would I have gathered thy children together and thou wouldest not but why that majesty does not take away or change this fault of the will in all seeing that it is not in the power of man to do it or why he lays that to the charge of the will which the man cannot avoid it becomes us not to inquire and though you should inquire much yet you will never find out as Paul saith in Romans 9:20, who art thou that repliest against God suffice it to have spoken thus upon this passage of Ezekiel now let us proceed to the remaining particulars section 65 the diatribe next argues if what is commanded be not in the power of everyone all the numberless exhortations in the scriptures and also all the promises threatenings expostulations reproofs asseverations benedictions and maledictions together with all the forms of precepts must of necessity stand coldly useless 
The diatribe is perpetually forgetting the subject point and going on with that which is contrary to its professed design. And it does not see that all these things make with greater force against itself than against us. For from all these passages it proves the liberty and ability to fulfill all things as the very words of the conclusion which it draws necessarily declare. Whereas its design was to prove that free will is that which cannot will anything good without grace and it is a certain endeavor that is not to be ascribed to its own powers. But I do not see that such an endeavor is proved by any of these passages, but that, as I have repeatedly said already, that only is required which ought to be done, unless it be needful to repeat it again, as often as the diatribe harps upon the same string putting off its readers with a useless profusion of words. About the last passage which it brings forward out of the Old Testament is that of Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14. This commandment which I command thee this day is not above thee, neither is it far off, neither is it in heaven, that thou shouldest say who of us shall ascend up into heaven and bring it down unto us that we may hear it and do it but the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart and thou mayest do it the diatribe contends that it is declared by this passage that what is commanded is not only placed in us but is downhill work that is easy to be done or at least not difficult I thank the diatribe for such wonderful erudition for if Moses so plainly declare that there is in us not only an ability but also a power to keep all the commandments with ease why have I been tolling all this time? Why did I not at once produce this passage and assert free will before the whole world? What need now of Christ? What need of the Spirit? We have found now a passage which stops the mouths of all and which not only plainly asserts the liberty of the will, but teaches that the observance of all the commandments is easy. What need was there for Christ to purchase for us? Even with his own blood, the Spirit, as though necessary, in order that he might make the keeping of the commandments easy unto us, when we were already thus qualified by nature. Nay, here the diatribe itself recants its own assertions, where it affirmed that free will cannot will anything good without grace, 
and now affirms that free will is of such power that it can not only will good but keep the greatest nay all the commandments with ease only observe I pray what a mind does where the heart is not in the cause and how impossible it is that it should not expose itself and can there still be any need to confute the diatribe who can more effectually confute it than it confutes itself this truly is that beast that devours itself how true is the proverb that a liar should have a good memory I have already spoken upon this passage of Deuteronomy I shall now treat upon it briefly if indeed there be any need so far to set aside Paul whom Romans 10 5 through 11 so powerfully handles this passage you can see nothing here to be said nor one single syllable to speak either of the ease or difficulty of the power or impotency of free will or of man either to keep or not to keep the commandments except that those who entangle the scriptures in their own conclusions and cogitations make them obscure and ambiguous to themselves that they might thus make of them what they please but if you cannot turn your eyes this way turn your ears or feel out what I am about to say with your hands Moses saith it is not above thee near, neither is it far from thee neither is it in heaven neither is it beyond the sea now what is the meaning of this above thee what of this far from thee what of this in heaven what of this beyond the sea will they then make the most commonly used terms and even grammar so obscure unto us that we shall not be able to speak anything to a certainty merely that they might establish their assertion that the scripture are, are obscure according to my grammar these terms signify neither the quality nor the quantity of human powers but the distance of places only for above thee does not signify a certain power of the will but a certain place which is above us so also far from thee in heaven beyond the sea do not signify anything of the ability in man but a certain place at a distance above us or on our right hand or on our left hand or behind us or over against us someone may perhaps laugh at me for disputing in so plain a way thus setting 
as it were, a ready marked out lesson before such great men as though they were little boys learning their alphabet. And I were teaching them how to put syllables together. But what can I do when I see darkness to be sought, sought for in a light so clear? And those studiously desiring to be blind who boastingly enumerate before us such a series of ages, so much talent, so many saints, so many martyrs, so many doctors, and who with so much authority boast of this passage, and yet will not deign to look at the syllables or to commend their cogitations so far as to give the passage of which they boast one consideration. Let the diatribe now go home and consider, and say how it can be that one poor private individual should see that which escaped the notice of so many public characters and of the greatest men of so many ages this passage surely even in the judgment of a schoolboy proves that they must have been blind not very unfrequently what therefore does Moses mean by these most plain and clear words but that he has worthily performed his office as a faithful lawgiver and that therefore if all men have not before their eyes and do not know all the precepts which are enjoined the fault does not rest with him that they have no place left them for excuse so as to say they did not know or had not the precepts or were obliged to seek them elsewhere that if they do not keep them the fault rests not with the law or with the lawgiver but with themselves seeing that the law is before them and the lawgiver has taught them and that they have no place left for excusation of ignorance only for accusation of negligence and disobedience it is not saith he necessary to fetch the laws down from heaven nor from lands beyond the sea nor from afar nor can you frame as an excuse that you never had them nor heard them for you have them nigh unto you they are they which God hath commanded which you have heard from my mouth and which you have had in your hearts and in your mouths continually you have heard them treated on by the Levites in the midst of you of which this my word and books are witness this therefore only remains that you do them what I pray you is here attributed unto free will what is there but the demanding 
that it would do the laws which it has and the taking away from it the excuse of ignorance and the want of the laws. These passages are the sum of what the diatribe brings forward out of the Old Testament in support of free will, which being answered, there remains nothing that is not answered at the same time, whether it have brought forward or wish to bring forward more, seeing that it could bring forward nothing but imperative or conditional or optative passages by which is signified not what we can do or do do as I have so often replied to the so often repeating diatribe but what we ought to do and what is required of us in order that we might come to the knowledge of our impotency and that there might be wrought in us the knowledge of our sin or if they do prove anything by means of the appended conclusions and similitudes invented by human reason they prove this that free will is not a certain small degree of endeavor or desire only but a full and free ability and power to do all things without the grace of God and without the Holy Spirit. Thus, nothing less is proved by the whole sum of that copious and again and again reiterated and inculcated argumentation than that which was aimed at to be proved, that is, the probable opinion by which free will is defined to be of that impotency that it cannot will anything good without grace but is compelled into the service of sin though it has an endeavor which nevertheless is not to be ascribed to its own powers a monster truly which at the same time can do nothing by its own power and yet has an endeavor within its own power and thus stands upon the basis of a most manifest contradiction. The Puritan Hard Drive and the free online Puritan Hard Drive videos are available at PuritanDownloads.com along with many other Puritan and Reformed books for as little as 99 cents each. Hello, and welcome to this introductory video for the Puritan Hard Drive by Stillwater's Revival Books. You will soon see why the Puritan Hard Drive is a technological revolution in Puritan, Reformation, and Covenanter studies. For over 25 years, Stillwater's Revival Books has provided the worldwide Christian community with the finest in Puritan and Reformation resources, including classic and contemporary printed works, inspirational sermons, audiobooks, and videos. In recent years, our collection of great Christian works has more than doubled, growing to a library that would occupy nearly 130 CDs. The Puritan Hard Drive is a tremendous library of over 12,500 Christian resources on an external hard drive that fits easily in your pocket or purse. 
It features the works of more than 800 classic and contemporary authors, including John Bunyan, Matthew Henry, Jonathan Edwards, Thomas Manton, Samuel Rutherford, and Charles Spurgeon. Timeless works like the English Hexapla, Fox's Book of Martyrs, Sketches of the Covenanters, and from the Puritan Divines, the complete 34-volume set of the Puritan Fast Sermons. Many of these books are rare and classic titles unavailable anywhere else. Over 25 years in the making, the Puritan Hard Drive is simply the most extensive Christian collection ever released. The Puritan Hard Drive comprises more than 12,500 Puritan and Reformation resources, over half a million pages of great Christian books, more than 10,000 sermons and audiobooks in MP3 format, providing years of listening enjoyment, over 70 videos, all in all, a library of thousands of exceptional works, accessible and affordable to everyone. Included on the Puritan hard drive is a custom search engine that makes it easy to find, browse, and organize the resources in your library, and much easier than trying to wade through a typical file directory on your computer. Connect the Puritan hard drive to any available USB port on your PC or Mac. The drive is self-contained, so there's no software to install or configure. Within moments, you can begin exploring the library by running the custom search interface. It's also a knowledge base with information about each work, including the author, title, description, keywords, and subject category. For you techies, this database contains over 4.5 million records of information. For all of us, that means we have an extremely powerful search and study tool. A list of all resources on the Puritan hard drive is available for viewing at any time. Here we see that the list of print materials contains over 2,100 works. This view is ideal for browsing all documents or media files in alphabetical order, by title or by author. The list is rather long, so using the search function of the knowledge base is the easiest way of finding resources of interest to you. For example, Let's say that my pastor recommended a book by James Henley Thornwell. I can search the knowledge base by author by typing his name in this field or by selecting it from the complete list of nearly 800 authors provided at the click of a button. Clicking the search button executes the search and immediately returns a list of all resources by this author. In this case, I've quickly found the book that was recommended to me. Clicking on the green icon opens the resource, allowing me to begin my reading. Further details about any resource can be found by clicking on the book cover icon, which opens the resource detail page. From here, I can browse the details of this work, I can add and save my own notes about it, and open the resource for reading, listening, or viewing. Your search capabilities don't end there. The majority of the rare, classic works on the Puritan hard drive now contain an embedded index. This means that the actual text of these resources is now fully searchable for the first time in history. 
Enter a search term in Adobe Acrobat Reader. In this case, a search for the word scripture yields instant results. Having searchable text also makes it possible to highlight, copy, and paste the text into another document, such as a sermon, a lesson plan, or a school paper. Less time spent on research means more time for reading, studying, and appreciating the resources in your library. Just another reason why the Puritan hard drive is a technological revolution in Puritan, Reformation, and Covenanter studies. Thank you for watching this introduction to the Puritan Hard Drive by Stillwater's Revival Books, serving Christians worldwide for over 25 years. Join us in our other videos as we demonstrate even more features and functionality of the Puritan Hard Drive. For more information, visit us on the web at puritandownloads.com. Until then, be well and God bless.